0: You're listening to First Fossil. (music) Because sometimes you simply need someone to help you take that first fossil. Hello and welcome to First Fossil a show where we learn together how to take that first paso toward becoming the best versions of ourselves. My name is Candice Olushola and today's special guests um, have known me since before I was born. They have been huge influences on my life. They kind of sort of helped raise me. And they're cool people. I think you guys would like them a lot. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you guys to my awesome parents, Dr. Wally and Kerline Olushala. Hey, mom and dad. How are you doing? Uh, hi, how are you? I'm great. You know, just <sighs> trying to stay alive and well during quarantine all the way over here in Kentucky. In case you guys don't know I'm in Kentucky and my parents and my older brother are in California so we don't see each other a lot except through screens and then the pandemic so definitely less often this year than usual so yeah I think uh doing okay. I love California. I love the color. I love the colors I love outside. I love when we're walking.
1: I can see all of the fruit trees and I want to pick everybody's fruit, but I can't.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> As you
0: can see, my mother's the mischievous one of the two. So yes, constantly have to be like, Mom, you can't pick that. That's not yours. We go to the the farmers market. So, why don't each of you introduce yourselves? Why don't we have ladies go first? Mom, just a little, little bit
1: about yourself. I was born in the Caribbean, the island of Grenada. Migrated here, attended college. I started at Oakwood College, and then which is now Oakwood University, and then transferred to the University of Alabama in Huntsville, where I did my degree in nursing and worked for a while in new york came to loma linda university and um, that's where i met wally did my master's degree in um, public health with a concentration in international health at the time which is global health and uh, met and married my husband so that's basically me and (laughs) we raised three beautiful children kevin was born here in california and Candice and Kelon were born, Candice and Hershey, where Wally was doing his residency in pediatrics and, and um, Kelon in um, Philadelphia where he was doing residency in
0: psychiatry. So we have moved
1: around <laughs> the United States
2: quite a bit. I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Awesome. How about you, dad?
2: Yeah. Um, yes, I'm Wally Alushawa. Yeah, I was born in Nigeria. West Africa, in the city of Ibadan, which is in the state of Oyo State. And around the age of nine, my mother and uh, my younger sibling, we moved to England. So we lived in London for pro- approximately nine years. Right? So I did my, I finished my elementary and high school, and started my first year of college. Uh, we moved back to Nigeria. I eventually went to a, a to the Polytechnic, which is in Ibadan before I went to medical school at University of Lagos. Uh, When I finished there, I went to work in the Caribbean island, got a contract to work there for about a year and a half. And after that, I moved to the United States and found myself at Loma Linda University where I met my wife and we shortly got married, had our first child, Kevin, and then we, I got a residency, pediatric residency at Hershey, Pennsylvania. Did that for a year before I went to Albert Einstein uh, and did my four-year residency there in Philadelphia. After that, we moved to Kentucky, where I worked. We had a private practice, and we closed the practice and moved to Maryland, where I worked for the Eastern Shore Hospital Center, a forensic facility. And then now we are finally here in California. We're back to where we started. We're just uh, best of friends and happily enjoying ourselves.
0: How oh. precious. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this whole trip around the United States, guys. Did you hear that? They were like, let's do the West Coast, and then all the way to the East Coast, and then down to the South, and back up East, and then back to the West. They just <laughs> made this loop-de-swoop-de through their the way, whole lives. The
2: way, I got to tell you this. Yesterday we were coming home, and I told her, I said, you know, isn't it wonderful that after all these years, thirty-four years of knowing each other, we are still happily married, and um, best
1: buddies, and we're
2: still best, we're best of friends, yeah. and we're very protective over each other, and we we love each other tremendously, and so, you know, we just uh, we're just a really happy couple. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, no misery for us we're just happy yeah
0: <laughs> that is so cute we need more of that in america right guys man that's so nice well i'm glad you guys are willing to talk about that a little bit because i want you guys to have the opportunity to kind of share your journey because it's so different from the quote-unquote american story of the american family and having been raised by, by the two of you in America as a first-generation American kid, I think the skill sets and the tools and the backgrounds that you guys have kind of make how you guys see relationship and marriage and parenting different from the culture that I was raised in. So I guess this is like one epic like series of fossils that you guys have taken over the years. So... Can you guys talk a little bit about, you know, you guys met at La Melinda and you start dating. How did you guys navigate that? Because mom, you were, you know, you're you'd been in the States longer than dad, so you're a little bit more acclimated to the culture, but still a foreigner in this country, um, a black foreigner at that, and then dad was coming new into the country as another Black foreigner, and the two of you start dating, how did you guys figure out your, I don't know, your compatibility in relation to the cultures you were coming from, as well as the culture that you guys are both planting yourselves in?
1: Well, for me, my culture is a little bit more liberal than his culture, so we're a little bit more westernized so um for me dating and making the decision to who we marry was a lot up to us so, sort of similar to the american culture it didn't have to depend on what our parents said you know sometimes your parents got involved in it but mostly it was our decision we meet somebody we talk to the person we like that person and we announce to our parents this is who we're going to marry Well, that was totally different from my husband's culture. (laughs) It was like when we started dating, we started going out, we started talking after a few months of going out and started developing feelings for each other. Well, at least I started developing feelings. He started developing feelings, I, I would hope. Because he was constantly calling oh, me. Yes. I was, um, me? <laughs> oh
0: my god. He was calling
1: me all the time. Constantly. <laughs> oh my god. The- because he was studying for boards and he was would call me at two o'clock in the board, is like,
0: Girl, what are you doing? Uh sleeping. Yeah. Um That's this- not the best <laughs> advice. Just to listen, to the song.
1: listen to the song, listen to the song, some sort of love song he's listening to what he wants because this thing. I was like, okay. Good night. Well, here's Guys, this what is.
0: not to do? Please don't call your girl at 2 in the morning to tell her you're listening to some love song. Thank God we can text now because you can save your little playlist and text to her at 9 a.m. Okay? Well, here's the thing. Here's
2: the thing. When you've got the love bug, you oh. got the love bug. Oh, okay. Lord.
0: The love bug don't know what time it is, apparently, they would go to sleep at reasonable hours.
1: And then then he, after we, going back to that story, after we were talking for a couple months, he announced to me, oh, don't get your feelings all involved, or don't get too deep in your feelings, because if my parents say we can't marry, then I can't marry you. I was like, um, excuse me, hold it. (laughs) Kind of late for that. (laughs) It's a little late for that. The thing about it is, the first day I met him, I'd already called my girlfriend that first night. Um, I met him at the library of Lobelinda University, actually. I texted my girl. I called my girlfriend. We didn't text that time. I called my girlfriend. And she was um, in Huntsville, Alabama that night. And we talked. And I said, "Um, I think I met my husband. And we planned a wedding on the phone. So. I, it's like I've already known. So, and all of his protest is like that. Doest that protest? But he that was my husband.
0: Okay, out <laughs> here making declarations that like, you can say whatever you want, sir. We's going to get hitched. Okay.
1: But, so when he was protesting that, oh, I'm going to live in a house with five German shepherds, I'm like, mm-hmm. and me, and me. <laughs> And the kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm never getting married. I'm going to have five German shepherds with my, in my house. I'm, I'm like... <laughs>
0: okay. <What? laughs> so, okay. So then, so that's like a big culture shock for you because that's not something that they do in Grenada. That's not a cultural norm, but it is in Nigeria. So... You knew in your heart of hearts, like, I'm still going to marry this guy, but you respected his culture in what he said.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, some people would start arguing and say, would be like, how do you mean, what do you mean this and how can you cannot make a decision? I, I just said, oh, okay. And my thing was just respecting that and going home and, and going to my dorm and praying about it and said, Lord, if this is what it's supposed to be, then allow me to find favor in his parents' eyes and let them see that this is what it's supposed to be. And, and then I asked him to explain that culture mm. so that I would understand what he meant by if my parents doesn't, doesn't approve, and then he explained the culture, and
2: he will explain that to you. Well, you know, in the Yoruba culture, especially among the Christian yorubas And especially in our household, we really don't have divorces. And the reason why is, one, getting married is a very serious thing. It's a family affair. And the way we are raised is that the parents and the siblings that have raised you, they love you. They love you deeply. And if you're blindly in love, they can help you to navigate and say, this is not good. And they can sit you down and say, it's why you should not marry this person. And secondly, we always feel more comfortable that we have the blessings of our parents. And it it really goes back to to the biblical days. Abraham blessed Isaac, Isaac blessed Jacob. And so it is part of our culture that if you marry without the, consent of your family that's a sort of a total disrespect and so they are involved and the great thing about that actually is that if they approve somebody to be your spouse you're going to have a very difficult time divorcing that person we don't do it you also cannot get a divorce without the permission of the family Mm. not about the court the court has nothing to do with it it's a family. Even though I live in the United States, you really can't divorce unless you can prove that your spouse is having an affair. So, so it's really not only for my protection, it's for the protection of all of us. And we believe in keeping the family together. And so part of the responsibility of the family, the extended family, is to keep the family together. Mm-hmm. So... It was with a lot. Of, I was very joyful when my father gave me the blessing. My mother gave me the blessings, and my siblings also uh, gave us the blessings. So, mm. yeah, we met in the library, and uh, when I saw her, I was completely. She's the most beautiful. I always tell the thing I love about her most is her skin. She has a beautiful skin, and um, I just I, I I I would have been very hurt very sad if my parents did not approve our marriage, but they did, you know, so we've been together all these years and uh, having the support of our parents, having the support of our siblings makes a world of difference because they they love both of us. And so, you know, there's the worst thing you can do when you get married is to go into a marriage where your future in-laws don't like you. You're starting up, you're going into a battlefield mm. And that can only, for the most part, it can only get worse. And it's a foundation. It sets a foundation for a divorce and bitterness and anger and frustration. So, but when the two family members, you know, my mother and her mother get along very well. When they meet each other, it's like, wow. So that's the way it should be, you know. Families, the two families become one. It's not just the two of us, but the two family sides become one. We become one family. So...
0: Yeah, that's that is something I think my brothers and I have had a challenge trying to explain to people when it comes to how we date or I guess how Kevin used to date because he's married, but just how we would step into a relationship because culturally, our parents are very much involved now for mom and dad, dad. Dad's more talking about, you know, you usually get permission to marry, right? Not necessarily to date.
2: Not necessarily to date.
0: Right. But we, I don't know where we came up with this or how we decided this, but Kevin Kellen and I have always thought if we're going to seriously be with someone, we actually start off asking permission from the dating side and i think it's so that way our who are with our our parents are not only in the loop but they are supportive from before we make a decision to go into marriage and so like we feel like we get more of the guidance from people who have successfully been married and have successfully navigated life together they can guide us in our preparation stage to be engaged to be married versus just figure it out and like you know whatever but it almost allows us to have a door open to not fall on our faces in the process and that that's neither of my parents ever corrected us on that or thought like y'all could like just go a date and then just come at engagement, you guys have actually just, you guys have supported us in, in doing that. I don't recall how or why we started doing that, but it was just, you guys have just always been okay with that.
1: Well, it's, it's, it started in the sense that for us with our relationship, because we were far away from parents, the, the permission to marry comes from the permission to go, go into the relationship. So with us, dating and so is not a frivolous thing. You don't just go and date and date and date and date and date. You The dating is dating with the intention to marry.
0: Right. See
1: the per- person has a potential spouse. There's no need to go out and date and stuff. That.
2: Right.
1: So when when we started talking to each other and just, you know, going on this, he had already sent word to his parents to let them know that he's talking to someone and he wants them to start praying about it. What I was already prayed about it.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: And so, so he had already started the process of getting permission. Okay. Basically. Based on the, so that dating how process. you,
0: right. So based on how you explained the yeah. dating relationship to the parents because I think that 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 makes most sense to me. It's like how how did the parents bless an engagement if they didn't know right. any or, yes. part of the
1: because he had dating. asked me for he had asked me for a picture within the first month or so of us starting to talk so that he can send to his parents. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know, so. I gave him a picture to send his parents. He said, because I want my parents to start praying about this. Yeah. And then later on is when he said, if my parents don't approve, because by that time his parents have been praying for months about it. Right. If my parents don't approve, then we cannot get married. Right. Because I didn't know he was talking to his parents about marriage. I thought it was just, you know. But, but, but he had a girlfriend to his parents about marriage well one of the one of the
2: things about we have a saying in in our culture we have a saying
0: Ah,
2: means the beauty of a person is in their character Mm. and so you know when i would talk to my parents and my siblings they wanted to know more about her personality Mm. they wanted to know more about her personality Mm. As I always say, you know, a young men get carried away with the beauty, but what is the character? The character is what you're marrying for the mm. most part. Wow. You need somebody who has a kind character, a person who is very considerate, a person who's not selfish, a person who is God-fearing. And if you have somebody like that, then you, you're blessed. And I saw all of those qualities in her and more. But on top of that, she was just very beautiful. I just, I absolutely fell in love with her. So her beauty, just uh, with her personality, the two complement each other so well. And, and my parents, they trust me because we have that relationship. To be honest with them, I wasn't holding back. You know, every day asked me about her personality. They said, what is your perception? We trust your, your judgment. You're, you know, we've trained you well. You're a doctor. You know this is for your own good. And I told them, I said, this is what she is. She's very kind to me, she's very loving. you know, she's just, I can't, I have nothing negative to say. I can't say anything, there's nothing bad for me to say. She bribed me with food when I was studying. <laughs> and she, you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, she was the best person I ever dated. In a short period of time, I knew in my heart that um, her kindness, her loving, the way she related to me, and the way we resolved conflicts very easily, And very early in our relationship, you know, we learned to pray together and laugh together and read books together. So it was, we're really, it was like, it's like I'd known her all my life. And in those days, you know, when you're in love, I I just, nothing else was more important at some, at a certain point. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to be married to her. I wanted to, I really, especially after my parents said, it's, yeah, go ahead. I said, that's it. I'm going to get married. I wanted to get married that same night.
1: They me. Oh, he did.
2: I wanted to get <laughs> married that same night.
1: That I, wanted
2: either a beavers, it. I, like... I wanted to get married that night. If I could work, if I could wake up the pastor that night,
0: okay. we were gonna get married that night.
1: Okay. Yeah, my proposal went like this two o'clock in the morning, his favorite time to call. Hey, <laughs> ring, ring. Hey, curl. Yes, what are you doing? Sleeping. My parents said it's okay for us to get married. Okay. Bye.
0: (laughs) Woo, that was smooth, Dad. (laughs) Epic fail. Don't do that. Man. Guys, I'm so sorry. I apologize. You're not getting the best, like, how to how to woo the woman advice from my father right now. I I deeply apologize for that. Don't actually call your girl at two in the morning and be like, hey, we're getting married. You know, that's probably not gonna go over well. I'm just saying. She might not even remember. Let's try to talk to her at an hour of clear consent, clear mental consent. Is possible. Next um,
1: morning, he was he was throwing rocks against my window again.
0: Oh lord!
1: With me
0: girl, girl,
1: girl, girl. Open the window. Well, I, did, I, you, I, I, did you did you hear what I said last night? What? My parents said it's okay for us to get married.
0: <laughs> I'm see. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. You see never. me though. You see me. <laughs> I would have been like, "Can you not yell this out for everybody to hear at this hour of the morning? Can I co- can I come down to meet you? Can we talk but about this down what? there?"
1: That's, that's, <laughs> a, I, that's a Daniels at Daniel's Hall at Lumen University. Well,
2: you know what? I, in I my def, sleep. At that point in time, I was—I was—he didn't even care. No, well, at that point in time, Candace, I was full of joy, and I—I I felt a sense of relief. And I wanted to just make her my wife. That's all, right? I couldn't tell us what the rocks, neighbors thought about me. They rocks. could have thought I was crazy. The other students probably was like,
1: yeah. what's that boy throwing rocks again? And because he that's how he always did, threw rocks at my window on his way to his um to his classes. Okay. So he threw rocks at my window to wake me up at like seven something in the morning. And I'm like, I'm not an early riser. Don't wake me up early. And he threw in rocks and I opened my window.
2: It's called love bug. Yes. It's like called the love bug.
1: Girl. Girl. Yes. Did you hear what I said last night? Mm-hmm. I said my parents said it's so good for us to get married. I was like,
0: oh, "Great. We we'll talk I about it room at 9." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back to sleep. I'll see you at 9. At a normal hour. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ah, oh, man, that that is wild. Okay, so we did this.
1: We, I'm still waiting for the knee.
0: Yeah, there's no knee involved in case you guys hadn't picked up on that. There was no knee action. There was a rock. There I'm was still a waiting. There, there was a there was a phone call at an hour where my mom couldn't comprehend <laughs> life. Um Ow. and somehow she ended up with this guy. So there's hope for everybody, guys. There's oh. hope.
2: 33 years later, I'm waiting for that knee. I, I was, I, I listen, she knew I was her ninth. She's shiny. out right now. I was just coming to take her home. Where's That's the horse? <laughs> she
0: said, Where's the horse? My, she, horse. Dead, dead. She, Dead. Oh, yeah. She even made it easy for you and took you all the way to Kentucky where there's horses everywhere and you still didn't I got no horse. horse. No, the, the closest oh, horse we got oh, was oh, Malachi. Oh, he
1: had his horse. He was on his bicycle. He's <laughs> no. Nice and, no.
2: He's 19 nice shots. Hey, hey, hey. He's nice and shy. <laughs> <Excuse me. laughs> I I, I had that bicycle nice and shiny when I went there. I I washed it. I washed it, make sure the tires were clean. Hey, okay. I'm good.
0: You see that? That that was smooth. That was smooth in the 80s, guys. You got to shine that bike. Mm, Did you see that bike my boy was driving? Ooh. Mm. Ooh Ooh-wee. Yeah. The struggle. Okay, so we like got to know each other. We have parental permission. I'm assuming mom on your side. It didn't really matter, so it yeah. Was more... I just
1: spoke to my parents. I just spoke to my mom. I, I come from a single parent household. Right. I didn't come from the kind of um, structured family that he came from. I came from a single parent household. Actually, I was raised by my grand my great aunt. Uh, my grandmother died when before I was born. And um, my mom always worked in the city, um, worked at the prime minister's office, who worked for the labor union. And so when I was a child in Grenada, and then then she left when I was nine years old, she migrated to the United States. So I grew up um, with my great aunt, Aunt May, I called her Aunt May, I loved her to death. And because of Aunt May, I am who I am today because she was a loving, strong, wonderful, wonderful woman. And she imparted in me a lot of her values and a lot of her strength and the amount of love and kindness. And so so I uh, emulated Aunt May. So I just had to tell my mom, um, I told my mom and Aunt May was alive at the time. <clears throat> she died at 96. So I just told my mom, and I told Aunt Aunt May what was happening, and Aunt May was really, really um, happy. And um, when she met Wally, she loved him to death. Aunt May and Wally, they were good buddies. And I told my sisters, so everybody was pretty happy about it.
0: Okay, so you're engaged, preparing for marriage and stuff. You guys were two Black foreigners in America in the 80s, and you're acclimating, I guess dad more so than you mom, but both still acclimating to the American culture while also trying to join your two cultures together for marriage. So how did you guys have the conversations that you needed to have in order to step into marriage based on the cultures? Because I'm thinking the cultural aspect is more going to come from dad as far as the differences and I mean because dad you have more you know the, there's these like set guidelines within the, the Yoruba culture but with Grenada it's a little bit you know it's kind of do what you want type of thing so she mom you just had your own personal values and desires in how you raise you know how, how you marry how you raise your children how did you guys navigate those conversations in doing so literally in the 80s as two immigrants?
2: Well, I I, I recall uh, talking to her in a moment, Linda, that I do have concerns as far as raising our kids. In, a, in, a, in America, I could see right from the time I got here, there were some things I had difficulties with. The way if I go to a grocery store, the way sometimes kids will be talking to their parents, and just the way people relate to... There was no, I come from a culture where there's a lot of respect for older generation. There's a lot of, there's a certain way you address people who are old enough to be your parents and stuff like that. And and just, we were taught to be somewhat obedient and listen to our parents because they love us. So I, we had some early conversation about, it's going to be very important if, before we even have children to understand the need to work as a team. Mm. Because if ever before there were there's children, there's the two of us, and our children's behavior will be a reflection of our relationship. Mm. So if if I say this and she says no, it's going to be this way. Uh, it's not a good idea to be divided that way because then kids begin to take sides, and that's that's very important, and that's one of the foundation for dysfunction where you have parents one parent being a bad one the one being a good one so we kind of we kind of addressed that and even when we had disagreements even when our kids were growing up I would I had you know I would say get in the car and we would go out and I would say here's, here's something that you're doing that I don't like and we need to correct it so we never really had that big blow up in front of the kids we just sort of talked about it i'm very fortunate and blessed to come from a structure that worked because my parents raised five boys and we have all done very well whether it's you know in terms of education in terms of being married in terms of and 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 it continues it flows into the grandchildren and you know so and we want to maintain that so we have a value we have a cultural value that we want to maintain because it works. America is a great country, but it's also the melting pot where there's so much. And what you have is a lot of young people that are—they're violating all the past uh, standard of ethics within societies. What you can't do this, you can't. They just do whatever they want to do, and that's that's kind of scary. I think children need to grow up with some structure. Structure gives you a framework to work with. And when you grow up in a structured home, it also gives you a standard of morality, okay? Especially being Christians, right? We're a Christian couple, and that's, you know, we don't hide it. It's just that's everybody knows us that that's what we are. That's who we are. So we have, you, have, you need a framework. If uh, children aren't raised in a structured environment, then there's no framework. They can do whatever they want, and that's their life become chaos. They don't know when to say no, they don't know when to say yes. And that's why it's possible for, you know, as as a psychiatrist, I treat the offsprings of foreign parents who then come to my office and say, we understand. We are educated people in this and this, but how come our kids are on drugs? Well, there's a reason. They they really, when you dig down deep into it, they would they didn't have that teamwork. And so your mother and I have always been a great team. If I could say, it, if there's one thing about us, we have been an amazing team. We compliment without telling the other one what to do, we automatically just if he's doing something and something needs to be done, I'll do it. If I'm doing something and it needs she needs to do a certain thing to, to make sure everything else goes okay. She, so we kind of read each other very well. And that's, that's, that's a blessing. that's a blessing.
1: So yeah I, I think on my on my part even though I, I grew up in a with my grandmother uh, Grenada is a lot of a lot more westernized mm-hmm. however one of the things that Grenadians or the people from the Caribbean w- one of the ways they the children are extremely extremely obedient to their parents um, we have the same sort of cultural values as far as, you know, you respect your elders. You say, good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. You respect the older brother or older sibling in the family. And so, so we still have that culture. We still have that structure. And it may have been passed on from the slavery that, you know, so they make sure that you do that. If you don't, as a child growing up in Grenada, if I pass an elder on the street and don't say hi to them, they would spank me there and then they will go home and tell my mom or my grandmother that I did not say hi to them and then I'll get spanked when I get home. So you better be respectful. Or if they saw me doing something down the street that was inappropriate, any elder that's See a kid doing something that's inappropriate. They have the right to talk to you, discipline you, and then they go home and tell your parents. Then your parents will discipline you too. So you're like always on your p's and q's, so to speak. And so one of the things that we agreed upon was that the other thing, one of the that we do, we are of course Seventh-day Adventist Christians, and. There are several books in our Christendom that that's been written as how to raise children. Even before we were married, while we were dating, some of our activities on a Friday evening at sunset, when we, or some of our activities were reading about relationships, reading about child-wearing, and books like The Adventist Home, we would sit down and read those together. In front of the um, public health building because I was right. attending the School of Public Health.
2: Under the tree. Under the tree. And we would lay down a like, nice cloth. <laughs> she made the, she made the sandwiches, whatever, and we eat what we would read together.
1: And um, so we would read that. We would read message like messages to young people, and then we'll buy different other books that talked about how to raise children and so. And so we'll have a frame. We had a framework on how we wanted to raise children we didn't just go into and then i used to look at people who had friends of mine who had two-parent families because i didn't come from a two-parent family i look at friends of mine who came from two-parent families and saw how they were raised and think about how i would want to raise my children those are some of the things, some of the ways that, and then I learned a lot from him. I never really told him about it, but I learned so much from him about how to raise children, how children should grow up. And that's how, because of his family background, because of his family values, and I respected them so much. I'm like, that's who I want to raise because his, him and his brothers are so close the relationship they have with their parents so, so um, strong and something that I wanted my children to have. So I decided I am going to emulate that. I am going to pull from that. So
0: Wow. Okay. So you guys had talked a lot about how you wanted to be united before kids, like how you guys were going to make decisions, how you guys were going to resolve conflict and try to "Quote unquote master it. Not that you can master that. It's I feel like that's something you continue to develop. But like having a solid foundation and blueprint or a st- strategy, a game plan for how you, you know, do finances, how you communicate, how you, you know all those important things when you're trying to join with someone else, and realizing you guys do have some cultural similarities, which is super helpful." that it wasn't totally, totally different, um, but that you guys could relate and at least understand the other person in trying to come together and then seeking out advice, even from books and like reading and then having those discussions on like, okay, we just read that. How do you feel about that statement or this paragraph or whatever? So what do we do with the statement for our future? What, does that, what will that look like? What should that look like? And growing in that. So... I guess my next question, kind of transitioning into the the parenting side, since you guys have already kind of touched on it. You guys have already gone through the stages of raising, like, babies, and then, you know, babies, toddlers, then your teens, when your kids leave home, and then when your children are full-fledged adults. So can you kind of, like, walk through those stages? Because at this point, you know, you have the three of us and something that I something that I have a hard time trying to explain to people is when when I'm at school or when I'm in the workplace, when I'm anywhere, unless you've read my last name, I am a black female in America. That that's how I'm seen. They don't think about or they don't know that I'm from a dual culture family raised in a, in my own quote unquote primary culture, so, I I don't know I don't know what it's like to have to come from, come from a different country. And then meet someone from their own country, and then raise your child in a country neither of you grew up in, and trying to and trying to you know navigate the fact that your children are going to be American. They are born Americans. So they're going to adapt to American things. They're not going to be 100% Nigerian. They're not going to be 100% Grenadian. They're not going to be 100% American. So how did you decide like how did how did you have those conversations with us as as kids? How did you decide okay, we need to Figure out the pieces, how to explain our child's culture to them and allow them to figure out the bits and pieces to become whoever they're going to be, which is a mix of three di- very different cultures as black kids in America. Like, <laughs> it's, there's so many layers to this. Yes, Absolutely, It's, layers. Well, it's hard to explain.
1: Nigerian food, Grenadian food, and American food.
0: We're gonna you're be alright. See? Cause that's all you need. You needed some Eba, you needed some oil down, and you needed some cheeseburgers, you're good. That's it. You're fine. You are acclimated to all the things.
1: And we, we let 'em loose. And you
0: guys are good to go. Run free. You're gonna be okay. No, don't please don't do that, guys. Please don't do that. Oh my goodness. No, I mean it's just you know, I'm thinking of you
1: it's, know. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, I I think, I think whatever culture you come from, the main thing to show your children in the home is structure and love. Mm. And once you do that, you make, you, you, you allow your children, you let your children know that number one, they're the most important person people in this home Mm. they're the most special people in this home and you love them unconditionally Mm. and you know I I go to some people's homes and they have a room where oh the kids can't go into this room that's for when guests come special people come well my kids are the most important guests in my home Mm. So they should be in the good room, in the special room. Mm. You know, these are the best dishes. These are for when guests come. My kids are the most important guests in my home. So they should eat from the the best dishes. Mm -hmm. So I treat my children as the the most important and the most special guests in my home.
0: Mm.
1: So when you teach your children and when you show your children that they're loved no matter what, they're valued and they're cared for no matter what, and their opinion matters. Mm. Their opinion matter no matter what. And I used to, t- I would tell my ch- you guys, talk to you guys. I used to talk to you all so much when, even when you were toddlers, when you were little, you would follow me everywhere, and I'd be constantly talking to you when you didn't even understand what I'm saying, but you'd look at me like, okay. crazy lady is talking again to me i know what you're saying but i'm going to i'm listening so you found it a safe place to talk to me and to tell me everything because i talked to you and was open to you and would tell you everything Mm -hmm. and would respond to you honestly and openly even though it's the most alarming thing that you would tell me I would not make you think that it's the most alarming thing or the most scary thing that you're telling me. I'm like, okay, this is what we'll do. This is what is going to happen. I let you know that I love you so much that there is nothing that you can do to take that love away, to make me not love you. Your, Your dad and I love you so much that no matter what you do, we will always love you. So it doesn't matter what it is, we want the best for you. Whatever you do, this is a safe place you can come and talk to us about it.
0: To hear the rest of this episode, tune in next week here on First Paso.